0: Um, so, we're going to, the, the primary topic today, as it relates to the Psalms, is, um, I, I, we needed to, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to talk about, um, landed on finding Christ in the Psalms, because I figured that was our, our big purpose uh, behind going through the Old Testament, and it will be our purpose moving ahead through the Old Testament, knowing the story of Christ, as Scripture points to the coming of Messiah uh, in the Old Testament. This happened after a conversation with Billy. Um, he said what he was going to do and gave me a little article that he was looking at, and I was like, yeah, we, we need to end here. Uh, there's not really any other ending worthy of, of our study. So, finding Christ in the Psalms, and the primary, the, the primary point today that, I'm just going to give it to you up front, is that if you're serious about being a disciple of Jesus... Making these psalms a permanent, regular part of your life is essential. Okay? If you're serious about being a disciple of Jesus. Um, so I want to read from Luke 24. We've visited this scripture many times through our study of the Old Testament. It's really one of the definitive statements on the Old Testament. Uh, from Jesus, from the mouth of Jesus. And this whole section is interesting because it's after his resurrection and he finds two disciples going to Emmaus. And they don't really know who he is, but then he begins to speak and he, he, he breaks bread with them. And it says that they, he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And um, he explains himself in all of scripture. He explains that these events that they had captured their attention, they said to him, have you been under a rock? Have you not heard what's going on? And he said, no, I know what's going on. But do you know that that's what the Scripture has been talking about this whole time? And they go, whoa. And he explains that the Christ, that the whole story all along is that the Christ must suffer and on the third day be raised. And he appears to his disciples and he says something similar, beginning in verse 44. He says, these are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets in the psalms must be fulfilled. So he calls out the psalms specifically. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and he said to them, "Thus it is written." In other words, here's what the whole story is about, okay? Here's the primary theme of the Old Testament, of Moses, of the prophets and of the psalms, that the Christ or the Messiah should suffer. And on the third day, rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And if you fast forward to Acts, so Jesus says, listen, the whole... Old Testament, and in particular the Book of Psalms, as one prominent section of the Old Testament, is about me. It's about me. Okay, Peter, who was one of those that he explained this to, Peter gives the first sermon. Okay, the first. This is the first sermon that the church ever got. Right, first sermon in in the whole Christian history of the Christian church. Okay, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, the church as we know it is born, and. Peter lifts up his voice, and, and as his text, he, he, he selects a section from Joel, Prophet Joel. But then he, ha- then he picks two psalms to preach Christ from. Okay? The first is Psalm 16, in uh, Acts 2, verse 25. For David says concerning him... Well, let me, let me back up verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth... A man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me. And this is from Psalm 16. I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh will also dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried. Okay, so this is, this is his little argument here. So he says, clearly the guy that wrote that, he died, and he's, his body is currently seeing corruption. So he wasn't talking about himself. He died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on the throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ. But all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So what is Peter preaching? He's saying the Christ was crucified and was raised. And what is he using as his primary text? The book of Psalms. Two Psalms to be exact. So I have three reasons, uh, three ways that we find Christ in the Psalms. Okay, And this is, these are three ways that we know, three, three I think, arguments to, that would make the case that being a serious disciple requires you to be familiar with the Psalms. Okay, So the first thing is that it teaches us the gospel. Okay, The book of Psalms teaches us the gospel. Jesus himself said to his disciples, you want to know the story, <laughs> look at the Psalms. You want to know who I am? You want to know what we're preaching? Use the Psalms. And Peter immediately put this into practice in his very first sermon. Okay? The Psalms help us proclaim and know for ourselves the gospel of Christ. Okay? And this is so there are a group of Psalms called the Royal Psalms. Okay? And it's, it, we, we can see in these the person of Messiah, which basically just means the anointed king. We see in these royal psalms what the king of the people of God looks like. And David is just a foreshadow of that. Uh, There are also messianic psalms. They're called messianic psalms that explicitly refer to this man whom God is going to set on the throne. The Lord, Yahweh says to my Lord, the anointed one. We can see this in Psalm 2, where he says, uh, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Okay? Psalm 72 is a great royal psalm. That's kind of the, the paradigmatic royal psalm, talking about how the king, God's king, when he's on the throne, what happens? Well, blessing. just is a, He is a channel and a conduit into the earth of the blessing of God. Okay, that's, what, that's what kingship is in, in, God's, uh, in God's house. Psalm 110, which is the most quoted portion of the Old Testament in the, in the New Testament. Psalm 110, talk about the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. The book of Hebrews comes back to this psalm. So the first point is that the psalms anticipate and proclaim the gospel of of Jesus. What in particular? Jesus tells us in Luke 24 that the Messiah should suffer, be crucified, and be raised. That's the gospel. That the man Jesus, when he laid down his life, he was doing what Scripture was anticipating would happen when the Messiah came. That this Messiah should suffer and be raised. Um, so the disciples of Jesus, and if we are to call ourselves disciples, we will know, and that will be the story that we are captured with. The story of the gospel. That the Messiah, who was promised all through the Old Testament, came, and it was Jesus. And how did we know he was the Messiah? He suffered and was raised. Okay? So the Psalms teach us the gospel. The most fundamental question and where Jesus brought his disciples to and in, in, in times of intimacy was, who do you say that I am? Okay, there, there came a point when Jesus pulled his, his followers in closely and he was trying to figure out, who is it that really knows who I am? And he says, Who do you say that I am? And our answer comes as, we, as our eyes are opened to see the one that is in front of us, that he is the one that all of Scripture points to. That the Messiah, and this was, an, this was a, every disciple of Jesus was waiting for the Messiah, right? All Jews were waiting for the Messiah. The point of revelation came that says, You are the Messiah. And that's when the gospel came full circle in their lives. And that's the most fundamental question of a disciple. Who do you say that I am? And so as we dig into these psalms, we see the person of the Messiah. And we see that Jesus is that person. Okay, So that's the first thing. We, we learn about what is the gospel, what is the Messiah, and how is Jesus the Messiah. Okay, So that's, that's what I would say the most... Not that it's—that's the most basic level, okay? There are two other levels, how we find Christ in the Psalms. And this is like—so you don't necessarily—this is the one thing on, on this list that you don't necessarily need to be uh, a radical disciple in order to see, <laughs> to make these connections, right? Pretty much any scholar can see the connections between what Jesus did and what the, what the Psalms were pointing to. Now, in order to really believe it and respond in faith, that requires the heart of a disciple. But at this level, if you just, if you just look at it, if you just look at the facts, look at the, the language of the text, you can see that the Psalms proclaim the Messiah. But there's another level, uh, and this is the second level. If you're a disciple of Jesus, you follow the example of Jesus. Okay, so you know who he is, you know about him, you know that he is the Messiah— and you know what that means when you say that. But the second thing is that you follow his example, particularly that Jesus himself was steeped in the Psalms. Right? If we want to live life the way Jesus did, we will know intimately the Psalms, and they will be our prayers. Okay? The Psalms were the prayers of Jesus. There's so many points in the gospel at which Jesus is, is speaking the Psalms, responding to uh, situations with something from the Psalms. Taking drawing his identity from the Psalms, okay. From the cross, he 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 recites Psalm twenty two: "My God, my God, why have you forsaken me?" Um, he also, "Into your hands I commit I commit my spirit." Right? that's from the Psalms. Um, when he is is on the night that he was betrayed, he has understanding that this is the one that Psalm. 41 talks about this is he who has lifted his heel against me. Right? This is my companion, the one that I shared bread with. He's betraying, he, he's, he's seeing situations in light of the Psalms. Um, Psalm 118, I want to read that. He quotes this in Matthew 21. And this is just one example. We can go to each of these and spend a lot of time on them. Um, Let's see. 21, 42. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? And this was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our, in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. He says, this is what, he, he quotes the Psalms and he says, don't you understand what you've been reading, what you've been steeping yourselves in? I'm here, I'm fulfilling it. Um, so, the point here is that if, just basically, if we want to follow the lifestyle of Jesus, if we want to follow his example, we will know intimately the Psalms. Um, Jesus understood himself in light of what was written in the Psalms about, about the Messiah. Um, this is like, have you ever looked at the, like the moon? If and you may have had a different experience, but um, you look at the moon and you begin to think, like, that's the same moon that everybody else has looked at. Right? That's the same moon that right now. That's the same moon that Abraham looked at. Right? Or the stars. Those were the stars that Abraham was looking up at when God said, so shall your offspring be. Right? Those are the same exact ones. Or you, or you go in, in a forest and you see like this really big tree that's been around for hundreds of years. And you, could, you just realize, man, that tree heard the firing of guns during the Civil War. And you have this connection because of this thing. Well, the Psalms are that place for us in Jesus. These are the, these are the scriptures that Jesus rehearsed in his mind that, he, that probably his parents uh, had him memorize and hang up in their schoolroom. Right? Um, he, he was raised in these Psalms, and, and we can meet him there. We can just follow his example there. Um, we are reading the very words that Jesus read and recited and memorized and lived his life in. OK, so that's the second point that to be his disciple means to follow his example. To follow his example means to read the Psalms like he did. OK, but then the, I think the most important level. So we can read the Psalms to see the prophecies of Jesus, to to realize that the gospel is really there all along we can read the Psalms because Jesus did and we want to, we want to exemplify his life. Um, but I think this is the most important level and, and the, Psalms, the Psalms allow us to join Jesus in his work. Okay? So the gospel, the call of a disciple's life is to come to be with Jesus and to, and to begin to do the work that he began to do. Okay? And, and what is the work that he's doing? He is Dying and being raised. Okay, and this is the life that he calls his disciples to. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. And the two big things he continually points to in the Old Testament, the message of the Old Testament is that the Messiah would suffer and would be raised. Okay, Suffer and be raised. Death and resurrection. Okay, So we read in Paul, in, in Philippians 3... What does he say? I shouldn't have to turn there, but I'm going to. Philippians 3, verse 8. I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. The life of someone who has sold out for Jesus is a life that looks like the life of Jesus. Suffering and resurrection. So as disciples of Jesus, we are invited to join Jesus in his redemptive work that he began during his time on earth. And he made it very, very clear to his disciples over and over, and had to really work with them in order to get them to understand this, that they would experience the same things as him, and they shouldn't be confused when those things come upon them, right? When they, when they encounter the need to, to sacrifice themselves, to suffer. But also when they experience the, the power of the resurrection, right? Right? And this is what Paul was getting. I want to become like him. I want to know the power of the resurrection, but also join him in his sufferings. So as we find ourselves more and more, as we pursue him, as we are, are more and more disciples of Jesus, um, the prayers of the Psalms will become more and more familiar to us. Okay? As we give ourselves to the work, which is laying down our lives, and letting Christ, let, letting Jesus through us, bring the power of the resurrection into the world through our lives. The Psalms will become more familiar to us. Okay? Conversely, as we steep ourselves in the Psalms, the lifestyle of Jesus will become more and more familiar to us. Because in the Psalms, what are they all about? The Messiah, suffering... And being raised. Not in, a, not in a factual way, but in a first person way. Right? We see the psalmist in so many cases saying, My bones are being pulled apart, my joints, my 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 heart melts like wax. Right? It's intimate. It's first person. And we get we get brought into that that life. And we talked to when we began our study of the psalms, that sometimes we feel uncomfortable praying what the psalms pray. But ultimately, the more we become like Jesus, the more comfortable and familiar we are with all of the, that whole range of emotions and experiences, okay? If we are about the Lord's work, the psalms, we will be at home in the psalms, in the sorrow in the psalms, and in the rejoicing and power and resurrection in the psalms. The glory of the throne room, right? We will, be, we will have both. We'll be familiar with both. So here's, here's the ultimate, and this is the third point. The Psalms acclimate us to the life of a disciple of Jesus. Okay, what does that mean to be acclimated to the life of a disciple? Um, distance runners, when they, uh, they, they, they often go to altitude to train. Why do they do that? Because their body adapts to having less oxygen. So when they come back down to sea level, their bodies are that much more efficient. Um, sometimes they'll do heat training, right? They'll just get, they'll get used to the heat so that they, when they're preparing for a race that's maybe in, in a hot place, it won't be such a shock to them. Right? This is what happens when we spend time in the Psalms. We become acclimated to a life of suffering and resurrection. Okay? So that when we give ourselves and when we go about our life and we, when we follow the commands of Jesus and they lead us to suffering and resurrection, we're used to it. We've spent time at altitude. Okay? So the Psalms, more than just seeing the Messianic prophecies and more than just following Jesus' examples, because he seemed to quote the Psalms a lot, they, they bring us into that very lifestyle of a disciple, which is suffering and resurrection. Um, so that's it. That's my, my whole exhortation today is that we need to make the Psalms a regular part of our lives. Okay. Um, permanently, like make plans to just for the rest of your life, have a good relationship with the book of Psalms. Okay. Um, but I want to say this as we head back into the old Testament, the story of scripture, right? One of the reasons why we wanted to pause and take, uh, take ourselves through the Psalms and the Proverbs, is to prepare us to really engage the Word of God in all of its in fullness. Um, so the clear direction for us coming out of the fast was that we should abide, that, that, that we need to abide in Christ, particularly abide in His Word and have His words abide in us. Um, and so I hope these three points will spur us to consider Yes, the way, that we, the way that we incorporate the book of Psalms into our lives, but also the way that we approach Scripture in general. Right? We're there to see the person of Jesus, to see the gospel in all of Scripture, to pursue it because the people of God have... have he's given them a great treasure, and the people of God have always clung to His word. But also, living in that world, uh, acclimates us to the life of... Uh, of the people of God. So this is a call to, this is a call to discipleship. And the, the reason I want to do uh, communion at the end is because what does con- communion symbolize? The death and the resurrection of Jesus. Right? We proclaim our Lord's death until he comes. Okay? So we are, we are enacting <laughs> the life that he's called us to live. So this is, it's a call to discipleship which begins with a decision to follow Jesus, but it, it's funny because the way that we There's this whole aspect of following um, in our current culture that has not, really nothing to do with following. When we follow someone on Twitter or on Facebook, it's the exact opposite of following Jesus. Right? But I think a lot of times we, we follow Jesus like we follow celebrities or whatever. Meaning, we click a button... And then we get notified whenever there's some interesting tidbits that we can kind of, as we go about our day and as we, you know, fill our time with whatever we want to, we can also keep up with, uh, you know, what Jesus has to say. this This is not the following of discipleship. When Jesus called his disciples to follow him, they forsook their life. They turned away from everything else that they were occupying their time with. And they rearranged everything in a way that would give them the best opportunity to have maximum time in the presence of Jesus. Okay, So this is a call to follow Jesus, to find Christ in the Psalms, to find him in Scripture. But it's really a call to be a disciple of Jesus. If you're serious about being a disciple of Jesus, you will spend a lot of time in Scripture. If you want to be with him, you will go to where he is. And where is he? In, in abundant measure, he's in Scripture. Okay, He's also in other people. You will fellowship with other people. But, but my particular exhortation today is we have got to be people of the Word. If we call ourselves disciples, it won't be something that we just sort of try to incorporate in our life and have a, have a nice reading plan. It will be... We will arrange our lives around it. So if, if we're going to be serious about this, if we're going to be serious about following Jesus, it won't be too long before our Bibles begin to wear out about halfway through, right? This is where the book of Psalms is. Okay? Because these are the prayers. These are the, these are the, inner, this is like the inner life of Jesus. We've been invited into the inner life of Jesus. And um, so that aspect of finding Christ in the Psalms not just finding him in the messianic psalms and in the and in the royal psalms, which is a great place to, to find him, but just in, in in everything that the psalms are, they are the the, the breath of Jesus. Okay, um, breathing in and breathing out, going through life as a, as a human. This is what it looks like. Um. So uh, that's my that's my challenge today. And as we come up to the um, to the table. Um, I'd like us to examine to what extent we really are disciples and what to what extent maybe we follow Jesus on his social media accounts and we approach scripture as we approach any other source of information in our lives where we kind of work it in and it's, it has to sort of compete with all the other voices but do we really arrange our lives around this do we really let it shape us and do we, do we go then through life and interact with all those other voices having within us uh, the very words and thoughts and, and breath of Jesus? Amen? Um, I, I forgot to mention, but this is interesting. Even, so even Satan knew this about Jesus. Okay? Because he, he throws psalms in his face when he's tempting him. He says, yeah, that psalm that you like so much, what does it say? It says, he won't let your foot uh, be cast on a stone. You know, he'll, he'll protect you. He'll guard you. And Jesus says, no, you're reading it like, you know, you're not reading it right. right? I, I know this prayer because it is who I am. And I know that it doesn't mean put the Lord to the test. Right? It doesn't mean do what you're saying. Um, so as a final point, I think it would be good if we got to the place where Satan knew <laughs> that he could throw psalms in our face because we were so we were so about them that they, they defined us so much that he could come and try and I, I would like that that would be a good thing, you know, for Satan to say, Hey, this scripture that you love so much, why don't you why don't you do it like this? And we and we could respond and say, No, we we know what it's actually saying. Amen? All right, well, let's uh, prepare our hearts uh, to come to the table. And again, very simply, the gospel, the whole story of the Old Testament gets boiled down to the fact that the Christ, the man of God, suffered and was raised and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And we've been invited to participate in his life. And there's no better... There's no better symbol of participation than to take, to, to, to literally consume his body and his blood, which is what he called us to do. He wanted that level of participation. Paul says, that I be found in him, to be in Christ, and he in me. Okay? So as we come to the table this morning, uh, let's reaffirm our status as disciples, right? Let's, let's tell God that we have forsaken everything to follow him and let's come and partake of his life uh, so that we can be uh, who he is. We can live as he lives uh, in this life. Jesus, thank you that you um, knew who you were and that uh, as you shared the Last Supper with your disciples, you knew that Scripture had been foretelling this for centuries, and you found yourself in Scripture. And Lord, I pray that we would find ourselves in Scripture with you, that we would go there to meet you. Uh, Lord, we thank you that um, your body was broken and your blood was poured out. And we thank you that you have invited us uh, to partake of your life. And so, Lord, bless this bread and this cup. I pray that they would be uh, a ministry of grace to, the, to your people here today. Lord, that you would see our hearts, that you would see our desire uh, to be your disciples, to follow you, and that you would fill us today as we come to the table with the grace and the strength and the persistence that we need uh, to be your people. Thank you that you have made everything possible, that you have given us everything necessary for life and godliness. And this morning, as we come to the table, help us to appropriate your grace in a way that fills us with the power of the resurrection and enables us to lay down our lives as you laid down yours for us. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.